Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Leading at a Local Level with me, Tim Cross, and my good friend, John. How are you doing, John? Thank you, yeah. You're right, Tim. Good, good. good. Important update, the cat is still with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. The cat is still asleep. Um, you, you might be watching this on a different day, but we, we're recording them in, in a no, she, cup. No, no, she, she will probably still be asleep, you know, this time tomorrow, so... Absolutely. Um, that would be inaccurate. Good, good. And we're doing a series, aren't we, on mental health? Um, because it's been a question that so many people have uh, asked us. Um, and so uh, we want to equip leaders, we want to encourage leaders, we want to enable leaders to be able to respond to this kind of mental health uh, pandemic that we seem to have in our society at the moment. And so last, the last session we looked at was what is mental health? What, what's the definition of mental health? What do we mean by mental health? What are the causes? Uh, but today we want to look at the subject of a theology of mental health. So what does the Bible say about mental health? Uh, you know, do we over-spiritualise it? What bit is, you know, the devil and demonic stuff and what is just people's kind of genetic, physical type of stuff? So, so John, why don't you kick us off then? So um, do we see the word schizophrenia or depression in the Bible? <laughs> no, no, we don't. Um, we don't, which is really interesting. But we do see so many on so many occasions where, where we do see signs of, of mental health being health being described. And I think it's just worth saying that when we last time we looked at the different causes of mental health that are considered, you know, nowadays in, in the medical profession. I just want to really kind of reassure everybody, really. The Bible is in agreement with that. If you go back to Genesis, and the Genesis of the point we go back and, you know, the fall of man, we look at, you know, what man was created for, for relationship with God, for relationship with other people, for a relationship with the ground they walk on, you know, to, to make it productive, for a relationship with our, ourselves, if you like, you know, in terms of it being internally well. Um, all of those things are met, you know, in God. Those relationships are met through God's provision for us with work and with companions and with in relationship with him but of course the fall introduced ruptures in all of those relationships so we are broken within ourselves there's a there's a, you know that's genetically physically there are problems even as we're born we're broken in terms of our relationship with other people we're broken in our relationship with the ground in terms of how we work the ground the frustration of work for example the stress yeah, yeah. and so on and then we're our broken relationship with god the spiritual stuff so just to say that the bible is is right up to date i mean it really is and actually when we come to god's word we see that the diagnosis of the problem of mankind is is something that we still rely on today in in modern medicine we see it so does that make sense absolutely it does and i think we we need to see and this is why mental health is such an important issue for us as leaders to tackle because actually what you're really tackling when you help people work through mental health issues is you're tackling the effects of sin in someone's life yeah. um yeah. and and the impact of sin um yeah. so yeah so in John, multifaceted way the impact of sin are so you know we think about the individual sins that people might commit but actually the impact we call it something i call it the noetic effect of the fall it's like this kind of general effect that it has on all of us right from birth you know the fallen world that we live in but when you mentioned about depression schizophrenia they're not words in the bible but throughout we see characters in the bible who struggle with what i would call mental ill health so look at job just just read yeah. the book of job job three is a good place to start look at jonah being suicidal yeah. and irritable 
Um, Can I just say, I find I find Jonah that's such an odd story, but he gets to the end, done these great miracles, God's done <laughs> repentance, and it, and it finishes with he sat under a tree and said, "I want to die." I mean, it's just mm. you know, you know, it, you could see it's just being grumpy, and but there's that's a that's a obviously something not quite right in his head that you know it, it, exactly. I mean, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, you know, sort of point he talks about there's no meaning in life; it's full of despair, sort of. Bit of a suicidal intent there as well. I hate my life. Um, David, uh, King David, Elijah. Do you remember Elijah? He has this great, yeah, similarly has this great kind of success with all that, you know, these prophets, and he goes away and he basically wants to die. And God, what does God do when he provides him with rest and water and food? New Testament, the apostle. Can I, can Paul, I just say, can I just, okay, Elijah the, uh, is the first example in the Bible of someone having a retreat. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, so if any of you ever go to like spiritual retreats, Elijah got there. Was, There's your yeah, justification. So. Yeah. So I'm actually about to go on one. I mean, question as to why I need to go and then all right, I'll use that. I use yeah. I use Elijah. Um yeah, I was I was on a roll. The Apostle Paul, yeah. So Apostle Paul sort of talks about this this pressure. You know, we despaired even of life, he says at one point. Um we see, you know, Jesus himself struggles with, and this can be controversial for some, but it's, he struggles with being troubled. His soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, to the point of sweating blood. And we see, so we see it in scripture, but we also see it with great Christians of the past, you know, church history. You just look at people like William Cowper, who was good friends with um, the slave trader, um, John Newton. Um, so a number of a number of Christians, both of the past and of the present, heroes of the faith have struggled with with mental ill health. So we do see it in the bible uh, very much i think the one one extreme one thing that can happen though is that we can think well it's all there in the bible um so maybe you know mental health is all a, a spiritual thing so maybe actually we just need to be praying harder or perhaps there's a lack of faith in somebody or you know i've, I've seen this happen certainly in my sort of church background where someone's sort of low and they're prayed for and it's like god release them from this and then the next week you're like yeah i think i've had answer to prayer and then that person gets is depressed again and they, they're not they're not kind of free of their depression um and they, i've just seen so much frustration and confusion so i don't know tim like in your sort of role as a, as a pastor have you seen the effects of what i would say we you know over spiritualizing mental health have you seen that where in your setting yeah i think that's something i i've i've learned i think is is and this is i think one that where, where as a leader it's quite difficult because we talked in the previous uh, podcast about um over you know about the causes of mental health and the fact that that it's not just spiritual there's lots of different factors um and i think yeah definitely it is a concern sometimes that, that we do over spiritualize and i think we so the group of churches that i've come from i think would have what i took away from that that may not be what they intended but what i took away from it is that when jesus comes into your life he kind of delivers you from all your kind of uh you know, really sets you free right and we talk a lot about freedom um and so this idea that somehow if someone's really through with god that they they're almost free from from trouble and problem and i, I certainly grew up with that mindset that really if someone has found god yeah. um, we might have used phrases like really been born again or really baptized that they would really not have these kind of problems yeah. um but that in my past experience over time just disproved to not be the case at all and i think i've kind of learned that that you need to identify the spiritual as part of the problem, but recognising that there are other other problems as well. And I suppose the way I think about it, John, is that mm. um, that I try and deal with the spiritual problem first. 
Um, so I would say that I think that you, if so, you know, this is how I think about it: is is that if someone is is in real uh, is in real kind of trouble, really, their, their root problem, which we've just identified, is a sin problem. Yeah. And so until yeah. they repent of their sin. Um, and we could talk about a little bit more maybe in the next session about how you actually go about helping someone do that. But until you they repent of their sin, then really everything else that you're going to try is probably going to fail because you haven't dealt with, you know, you haven't really invited the power of, of Christ to come into your life. Um, yeah. But I think we have to be really careful. I suppose the other extreme is is that you you say too much, a lot of it's demonic. And I think yeah. this is... You know, the, you know, your mental health problems are demonic. You're troubled by the devil and, you know, it's the devil, the devil, the devil. And I think that, you know, again, there are definitely points and, and maybe we can explore this a bit more. Yeah. But there are points when when it is demonic. There's no doubt it is demonic. Someone is demonically troubled. Um, uh, but again, I think you know, you can take that too far and you can always put all of the blame on the devil and you're constantly fighting the devil when actually some of the issues could be social, it could be um, physical, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it could be medical. I mean, I, I think that, you know, there could be a medical imbalance in someone's brain, you know. Yeah. So I think, yeah, we have to be very careful about over-spiritualising 100%. Yeah, absolutely. But I completely agree with you about the the, the the spiritual roots. And of course, and we are often, and I think rightly so, it needs to be cautious and aware that, you know, how we come across, you know, people who are struggling, you know, there are people who struggle with depression for a long period of time. And despite, you know, prayer and, and treatment and so on. And actually, there are a lot of people out there who will feel like spiritual failures. They feel like they've yeah. been prayed for a number of times. They feel like they've repented a number of times. And actually, they still they still struggle. And so we have to be do have to be very careful of how we how we approach that. But I think you're absolutely right that, you know, we all have problems. We've got a broken relationship with ourselves, with other people, with the ground. But the most fundamental broken relationship is our relationship with God. And you're right. That's that's the, the primary thing. I mean, God wants to relieve all suffering. I believe that. But especially eternal suffering. And that, that's a hard phrase to say, but that, that's what God is most interested in. Um, and, and as leaders, that's that's what is most important in eternity is our is our relationship yeah. with God. And so actually, you're, you're right. Addressing that first is is so key, but doing so very sensitively, particularly with those who have perhaps gone through a, a number of conversations for years and, and of doubt and shame and, and sometimes false guilt. There are a lot of people who struggle with their mental health who will come and they'll tell you lots of things that they've done wrong and that they need to repent of. And we need to be be ready just to say, well, actually, what is proper proper guilt? And proper guilt can lead us to repentance and freedom. But what is false guilt where it's been layered on? Because actually, that's just the state of mind that they're in. And we need sometimes need to be quite clear and straight with people. Yep, that's something we need to repent of. No, that's that's something that you are laying on yourself. I just think we need to be aware of that false guilt versus true guilt. And I, th I think I think this is the, the key. I think actually, when when you're thinking about the theology of 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 kind of of mental health i think it's interesting that paul so coming back to what paul says you, you know you talk about you know positive thinking well paul understood the the, the role of the mind yeah. in in someone's development so he says romans chapter 12 you know one and two be transformed by what the renewing yeah. of yeah. your mind 
Um, and the number of times he talks about it, in virtually every book, he talks about, you know, really the, the necessity to have the mind of Christ, for example. I think, you know, yeah. uh, he, he talks about, you know, just and, I, and I've seen this as a pattern yeah. in Paul's understanding that really it, it, you, it requires a transformation of mind. And so I think that what I've done in the past, so certainly, you know, a few quite a number of years back, I, I was assumed that the spiritual, the answer is spiritual. Therefore, I need to pray over you and and ask God to sort of deal with you in some way. Yeah. And then maybe we yeah. rebuke the devil and his impact on it. And then I assume that really they should go free and that, that's it. They should go free. But but I don't think Paul, when you look at how he talks about the development and the growth of a person into maturity in Christ, he sees it as an ongoing process, not simply yeah. as a once off impact and i think that our theology should i think reflect the truth that to renew your mind is something that takes time i mean yeah. i mean john you might be able to comment a little bit better than, than on this than me but there's a lot of been research been done isn't it into the science of the brain and the mm. way that the, the, you have neural pathways and so uh, a doctor at a cmf conference actually once explained this to me very helpfully um, and basically said you know your your mind is like a, a has a series of roots so if i want to get from my house to the local kind of supermarket my i know i have the same route i will go every single time um, there are other ways to get there but my my i will just tend to follow the same route every time and so what happens over time is our brain develops those kind of pathways so we respond to trouble by just doing the same thing again and again yeah. and what has to happen in god is that we have the power christ coming into our life and the holy spirit renewing us gives us the power to start taking different routes yeah. uh you know through that building new neural pathways if if um yeah. that's right would you i mean that's my reading and understanding of the science would you agree with that john yeah absolutely yeah so that's the sort of the the approach of, of addressing the thinking and, and you're right i mean i mean you take cbt as a, as a discipline many people will be familiar with that cognitive behavioral therapy it's pretty yeah. much the first thing on the the nhs list when it comes to counseling techniques actually as a christian we can affirm pretty much the vast majority of what CBT will tell us because so much of it agrees with a Christian worldview of, yeah. of how to treat of the way that we think the patterns of thinking that we get into and as you say particularly Paul and in, in his letters is full of CBT like um, advice and we can affirm that as a good and, and right thing in the vast majority of cases yeah yeah, yeah. so let me ask you a question so if I flip it then so where, where does the role of medicine play because obviously if it's if the cause is is, is sin then surely mm -hmm. if we just deal with someone's sin and we deal with kind of we tell them to kind of start thinking like with the mind of christ they therefore don't need medication yeah true or false <laughs> yeah well, it's a great it's a great question um and i think i have i have had that so just you know not too long ago i had someone come up to me and say look i've been prayed for um i do believe i've been healed um, from my mental health condition um, and I've been told to stop my tablets yeah you know do, do, what do you think was it told by a Christian to stop taking the tablet yes yeah told right. by a Christian but as an expression of faith you know to prove in a way to complete the act to complete the yeah. act of faith to really uh, you know really say right I've really grasped hold of this I am healed the way that I prove that is I stopped taking my medicine um, the thing I find really interesting, just as a comment, is that I haven't heard anybody say that for a physical health condition. So I haven't heard somebody come and say, I've been cured of my type 1 diabetes. I'm going to stop taking my insulin and see what happens. 
I've, I've heard of people saying I've been cured of my type one, but they've actually then gone to their GP and they've discussed it and they've done a, a, a you know, a, a gradual kind of um, reduction or something. I'm not sure the outcome of that. Um, and I don't want to doubt that God can heal. And I think, you know, medics, one thing people love to, to, to say to medics about, particularly in the Christian world, is we sometimes set the medics up against God. Um, I hear this story so many times. The medics told me, and you see this, you know, also in Daily Mail and other things. The medics told me I wouldn't live, or the medics told me this or that, and I've proven them wrong, or, or you know, God's proven them wrong. And I think the the, the key there, of course, is uh, is what happens over time. You know, it's about how does healing happen over time, and there are definitely cases where that has happened. But just like Jesus said to the, you know, the, the lepers, go and show yourself to to the temple. Go and show yep. yourself to your doctor. That's how I approach it. I say, great. If God's healed you, then wonderful. But actually, I'd, you know, you're under the care of your doctor. I'd, I think it would be really appropriate for you to go um, and speak to your doctor about that. Because actually, any, any, you know, if you're going to stop your medication, you may well need to stop them gradually. So I'll be very, I think we need to be really careful about giving advice on medicines that we may not know about. We don't know what the side effects are of them suddenly stopping. We've got to send them to you know to the, to their doctor to talk about it so yeah. that, that's one thing i would say can I, um, can I just can i just jump in at that point because i think yeah. i think um i think one of the i think most people would probably affirm that position but the, the thing is is that um about kind of this whole kind of medicine thing is that taking insulin for example you can measure the amount of insulin in the blood right i guess yeah. I'm, not, I'm assuming so you can say well yeah you now appear to have the right amount of insulin without the medication you can track that i guess yeah. the problem with mental health is that often when people start to feel well and this yeah. is what i've found in church pastoral situations they start to feel well which they believe is spiritual but it could actually be quite a lot to the to do with the medication actually yeah. um, and yeah. so they then want to get off the medication i understand that as well people don't necessarily want to be on medication for the no, rest no, of no. their life and that, that's a stigma i think that people have that they feel like if as a christian i might be on medication for the rest of my life yeah. that i must be therefore into bondage of something and, and and i think that you know and but i think yeah it's it and so i can see i mean i I've, I've had a number of people that have come to me and ask can i come off my medication yeah but you know it's not as easy to track you know just because you're doing well now it's not like you can say well my leg is now healed it's you know we've done the x-ray you know it's it's your the brain's more difficult and i think it yeah. is it's yeah. so hard I think, with the medical stuff to see and often they come off their medication and, and that's why I think you've got to go and if, if you're a leader and someone comes to that, your answer is you've got to go and see your doctor. You've got yeah. to keep taking your tablets. Yeah. Yeah. Do your yeah. doctor advise you otherwise? Let me just say in terms of psychiatric medication. Okay. So um, psychiatric, so antidepressants, let's say, and they're the most common, actually not brilliantly useful for mild and, and even moderate depression. Okay. They're not. Um, and that's recognised and acknowledged by, by medics. Um, you'll often find that antidepressants are prescribed more quickly by your GP. But that's that's more of a comment on our lack of you know, the more holistic support. So counselling, you know, someone who's lonely, who's out of a job, you know, actually big parts of their healing are going to come through not being lonely or being able to yeah. work productively with their hands, you know. But the GPs, so, so a lot of our medicine these days is, is suboptimal we're trying to kind of put a sticking plaster on it and try and right. give somebody the opportunity we just we've got to recognize that but it doesn't mean that they're not effective and they're not part of the solution so yeah before anti antipsychotics before antidepressants were, were existed we had horrendous horrendous stats we had institutions full of people with severe depression and we now know that if you give someone with severe depression an antidepressant more than half of them 
will get significantly better. For antipsychotic medications, even more, it's about three quarters of them. They're going to be able to live in the community, live in their family, operate as a father, a mother, hold down a job. Okay, these medications have been an, a, a, a godsend. I believe part of God's good grace to humankind, as we, as we have with physical you know, medications, as we have with surgery, they are part of God's common grace, his good gifts to us. We know how they work on the brain. We know how, how, what they actually do physically to a brain. And you've mentioned the kind of the, the neural pathways. Well, actually, some of the ways the medicines work are, are actually on those neural pathways. And they're sometimes to get, and my experience of being on antidepressants was I wasn't in a position to work on the CBT type thing. It's a very common experience. You say to people, well, let's work on your way of thinking. When somebody's so low and unable to even think straight, they can't engage in that kind of thing. But often antidepressants will get you in a position where it gives you that boost of your serotonin, gets you in a position where you can then work on your relationships, your relationship yeah. with God. So they, I just want to say psychiatric medication really has a place. It's not always used op optimally in every circumstance, but that's not because doctors are out there to get people. It's because we live in a fallen world where the holistic solutions which we need, we need to come on and discuss at some other point, but the holistic solutions are not always there, but they're part of an overall kind of solution, if you like. Yeah, and I think, I think this is what we need to look at. We'll look at this probably in the next, in the next uh, session. How do you respond and deal with someone who has a mental health kind of issue? And I think, as you say, we, we're recognising that, that the medicine is very helpful, uh, but equally it's recognising that kind of it is also a spiritual issue. And I think yeah. this kind of just on to my last question really for this, this yeah. little section which is what happens if you how does our theology fit with someone that's that's potentially got mental health issues you know like diagnosed yeah. mental health like a personality disorder or um you know something like that you know but for a really long time or someone that's naturally bipolar or depressive um yeah. you know they might be like that for for many many years and, and i i've actually known many really godly christians and it's interesting yeah. <coughs> sorry that charles spurgeon was a depressive is that right john he was yeah he was and that was that was mainly because of his gout by the way so it's mainly because of a physical problem i mean horrendous physical problem causing significant you know problems with his mental health absolutely there, there are many others tim who struggled yeah, yeah. yeah. and i think that, that it's important for us to understand um that, that and i think we have a, a particular sense of failure if someone's still struggling with mental health yeah. problems that somehow they're not i don't know that we that they're not moving forward in the lord how would you respond to that yeah i completely agree and so i i, I remember meeting with um quite a well-known um, Christian person who just happened to be crossing paths really but because I was a doctor they opened up to me a bit about about how they were now this is a very successful well-known Christian person who you think wow I'd love to be like them yeah so that's where I was but it was a eye-opening to then hear and be told that they were on antidepressants still like for the last 20 odd years and, and actually saying these 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 are part of you know part of God's gift to me to enable me to do what I do because without them I'm not sure where I'd be and I thought that was I, mean, I was just hugely impacted by this idea that he's a hero of mine a godly person but he's actually still battling 
with depression, you know, on antidepressants, still battling, still has those times when they're, you know, when they're down. And I think I've just profoundly challenged by that. And it's, there's a mystery there. There's a mystery where we, we may not, we, we talked about this on the MLG Big Chats podcast on healing. And maybe worth going to check that out if you, if you haven't heard it. We talked about the difference between cure and healing. And I think so often the time with, we, we, we confuse cure and healing. Is there a mystery there? Is there a mystery that actually we can know healing, as you said, a gradual healing, often not as sudden as we want it, but that can come even when we're still carrying the scars, we're still carrying a physical health problem, we're still carrying a mental health problem. I just think there's such a mystery there that in that suffering, that in despair, in, in depression, that God can be glorified. Now, I say that with fear and trembling because Trust me, when you're in the middle of a depressive episode, you don't want to be told, well, maybe God can use this for his glory. Maybe he's doing something through this. Try saying that to somebody who struggles with it for their whole life um, and they may not see that freedom. But but it goes back to what you were saying, Elliot, what is our theology of suffering, of freedom, of what it means to be free in Christ? And I think when it comes to mental health, there's still this hangover that, well, if it's a physical health problem where well, you go to the doctor, but if it's a mental health problem, then actually this is, you know, this is demonic. This is, um, you know, this is yeah, de demonic powers, I suppose. Um, we need to pray against spiritual oppression. And I, I do believe that some of that is a lack of understanding of the, the physical, the psychological, the social causes of mental ill health. And therefore we get the, the kind of the cure wrong. Does that, yeah. is, that, is that a fair comment? Uh, absolutely yeah, yeah i think you you've nailed it down i think you really have and i think this is such a complex area isn't it you know i was just thinking about you know uh you know people that are just struggling and just feel like and we have to be careful what the devil does love to do is come and bring shame yeah. um and bring guilt you know and if we if we as leaders are, are kind of uh you know unhelpfully kind of talking about freedom all the time in that way that really oh you should just be free you should be free actually there's a danger that you create guilt and yeah. you create shame i'm not free i'm not i'm yeah. still struggling so if i'm still struggling yeah. there must be something wrong with me um, which there might be something wrong with you but it might not be that you're doing it might not be anything you're doing it might be your your physical situation um and i think this is particularly relevant and i would just add this in for people who have who have been abused yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I've dealt with an awful. It has shocked me the number of people that I have had to deal with that have been abused and, and uh, in their childhood, either neglect, uh, sexual, physical abuse, and and it is incredibly common. And I, I don't, you know, worryingly common. I think yeah, you know, sure. um, in in my pastoral experience, but but your past shapes the nature of a person. I think, and this this has been my pastoral experience. I don't know if if you agree with me, John, but. And, and I think, you know, whilst your past may not dictate your future, it certainly explains how you've got to where you are and why you will often respond in ways that, you, you know, if you had a father that, that beat you, you're going to have trouble understanding the, the love of God. Yeah. It's just that's going to be the, and that's yeah. probably going to be a thing that carries on through your life. And, and, and I know the Lord can meet you, but but I think this is where so much of you know, if you've been sexually abused, you will feel worthless. And so you're going to, men your mental health is good. And that, that's ingrained 
deeply into you. And I think the Lord can cut you off yeah. from that. I do believe that in this conversation, yeah. we have to understand that the power of God can cut people off. We are free from the the bondage of these things. But we need to recognize that these things will have affected us physically. Yeah. You know, it will have affected us just the way we process the world. And I think this is what, and it takes a while to reshape people. And, and I think we have That's to be right. really careful about about kind of how we deal with this is it is spiritual. Jesus does need to deal with our sin. He does need to cut us off from the effects of sin, but we need to recognize that that, that will have a lasting impact that we need to help people work through. Yeah. Um, so we mustn't yeah. feel like failures if you're still struggling with something and it's been a long time. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's, that's really powerful. That's really powerful. Can I just say something just as we finish about the, what the Bible says about court, you know, spiritual causes? What's quite interesting, as I said, like people can often think, well, you yeah, know, physical problem, physical cause, go to the doctor. You know, mental health problem, maybe there's a spiritual cause. And, there's, and I think there's reasons for that. I think you know, we're a culture that has kind of pushed God out, you know, so we don't, most people in our culture don't even acknowledge a spiritual world. So a lot of Christians can be like, oh, well, we've got to kind of make sure we look for that. You know, we've got to make sure that we don't underplay the spiritual. And I, and I, I understand that. Um, but, but we can go too far that other way and we can start to say, well, actually, maybe all these the causes are, you know, are spiritual. But the Bible says so much more about physical health conditions. In fact, so many times someone comes with a physical health condition in the Bible that actually the, the writers or the people at the time will attribute that to a spiritual cause. Okay, so the number of times that happens is, is too many to count. Just, just look at it. There's, a, there's a, often a spiritual cause noted to be behind physical problems. But actually, we don't find the same with, uh, with, mental, with mental health problems. It's really interesting. We don't find lots of instances where we say someone's presenting like they've got a mental health problem or including depression or psychosis. And we do not find the Bible pinning it on a demonic you know, on a demonic cause does that make sense so i mean it's it's really interesting we, we and we even mis we misinterpret things like um, you know the, the, the man legion who was you know sort of possessed with many demons um and he's sort of he's naked he cuts himself he's he's violent he's dangerous he's strong and all these things and a lot of people say oh it's a bit like someone with schizophrenia you know isn't schizophrenia caused therefore by demonic possession i've heard that so many times but actually, it's a misunderstanding of what schizophrenia is. We're not. This isn't about psychiatrists lining up and saying, "Well, we're just completely denying the demonic power of the demonic. We're just going to medicalize it and treat people." It's not that. It's not that case. You ask you know, Christian psychiatrists in our Christian Medical Fellowship Network. You know, Christians who who love God, who are, who are open to the idea of God in, intervening in this world, who are open to the power of the demonic, and they'll tell you that they've either never or very rarely seen instances of demon of demon possession so i think we just have to be careful with stereotypes you have to kind of just acknowledge that actually you know yeah, biblical yeah. you know biblical accounts of healing um from the demonic is not they're not models of how to heal mental illness and as you've been saying just approach people you know in that holistic way yeah absolutely super helpful and i think we should do a session actually on mental health and the and the, the enemy or the devil um yeah. and i think we'll do one because i think we need to understand part of, part of being a good leader is understanding um you know the role the devil does play um in mental health and he does play a role but probably not the role yeah. that necessarily always that we immediately jump to um and i think being able to understand his role um or what he does or doesn't do i think he's probably going to be very helpful for you as a leader i know it's been very helpful i've done a lot of research on that subject
Um, And it's been very helpful to me in my pastoral council. So we're going to stop that session there. There is so much more we could have covered and probably you'll listen to this and think they didn't talk about this, they didn't talk about that. Well, sorry. Uh, You know, we did our best. We're just trying to give you a bit of an overview. Um, If you'd like us to go into like really detailed stuff on this, maybe you can write in and request it and, you know, we'll do a special subject, but I'm I'm not anticipating there'll be loads of requests for that. So um, prove me wrong. Um, So until next time, John, until next time. Same thanks, bye everyone.